I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is the end. Beautiful friend This is the end Back to the Roper Report podcast in association with Vox Brewery, and if you can tell by the enthusiastic undertones prevalent in my voice, uh, things aren't going particularly well on the the Sunderland of football front in general. Obviously, all football is suspended until April due to the uh, nationwide pandemic that is the coronavirus. I'm sure you may or may not have seen that in the news, but regardless, um, I don't think we're particularly fussed about missing Sunderland games because as of recently it's been quite disappointing. Obviously there was the 2-2 draw with Gillingham and then we go we go to Bristol Rovers and get nicely pasted 2-0. So yeah, that's something. I'm your host Alex and I'm joined today by Chris Cam. How are you doing Chris? Um, rough as toast. Uh, well, you know, someone's <laughs> got to do it. I'm also joined by Johnny Goldsmith. How are you Johnny? Yeah, hi Carl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. hi Carl. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, hi Alex, how you yeah. doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Just having a face towards face. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Hon- honestly, I, li- I like your uh, orange orange polo neck there. Yeah, it likes just ha- in case you're wondering what a football podcast sounds like. <laughs> <in the> football. <laughs> it's like it's like having your head out of a fox's backside. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm also joined by Morgan. Morgan, oh. you are as always an idle trout. Oh, what a compliment! Aye, well, it's the nicest you know, thing that anybody's ever said about me. Have a camp of choo-choo on me. Thank you very much. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, let's uh, before we just sort of like delve into sort of complete um, nonsensicalness. Probably not a word, but we'll roll with it. You're a teacher. You should do. Uh, I probably should. No, yeah. I mean, normally when you add the ness uh, suffix to a word, it does make it a noun. But I can't confirm if that word is indeed a noun. But it does follow the same lexical pattern. So we'll just roll with it. Anyway, let's just start with the Bristol Rovers game. So obviously those who had the pleasure of not being able to watch it, we went down to Bristol Rovers, got totally bullied off the park, and Johnson Clark Harris got the first goal with what was a fairly good Bristol Rovers move, but 
was also, you would say, a bit more of defensive complacency. And then following up with that was a penalty in the second half, which Clark Harris converted to make a 2-0, a comprehensive win for the home side, which I shouldn't really say if we're a team allegedly vying for the automatic spots. But let's just get straight into it. Changes to the starting eleven were they made too late? Because one of the big talking points just before the game was that Parkinson had finally made his big changes. Scoen and Semenyo had both come in for, I believe it was Dobson and Gooch respectively, which I think many fans would have agreed were, were two justified changes given the uh, latter two's sort of dip in form recently. But did those changes come too late? What do we think? We'll start with you, Chris. Um, I mean, I think everybody for genuinely was weeks, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Screaming out for changes. So if you leave it that late, yeah, I suppose it's um, it's a bit of a, a wasted opportunity on the numerous occasions we could have done because I think we were getting away with it when we were like good results, but not necessarily the performances that convinced you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fleetwood was a warning, definitely. The fact we got away over Linguiser then, and then opposite happens to us against Gillingham, which that's when the changes should have been made without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, Lafferty came in absolutely let his manager down the way he performed in the first half. I think he mm-hmm. just got himself involved in stupid, petty back and forths with our player and it just went, well, half-time, you're on a yellow card, you look like a, a red card waiting to happen, so mm-hmm. you just had to come off. And then, But ultimately, I don't know if you can blame it on personnel changes or you can just talk about the difference in like attitude, maybe, I don't know, the away game of choosing out or something like that. There's, there's no real excuses for it. No, tactically, there's no plan B. So you can put anyone out there, but if somebody's figured out how to stop us, you know, if you, you know how to mark Maguire out the game, or you know how to mark Gooch at the game when he plays, or you can just, you know, suffocate the striker up top, then it doesn't matter who you've got out there because there's no tactical impetus, there's no ability to change things up. It's very one-dimensional, isn't it? Yeah. I think the... I sort of played devil's advocate a bit, like, before um, Lafferty came in, saying... Because Lafferty's obviously came off the bench a few times, he's looked really good, and mm-hmm. I sort of asked the question, is that not because he's coming alongside Wyke, and the two of them are up top together... Like I'd appreciate Lafferty has done better like winning his aerial duels and stuff like that, but does he look more effective because it's two big men up front and the centre-half can't just focus on one of them, so they're always yeah. leaving one of them slightly open? Mm-hmm. And I think Tuesday night's proved that it's not necessarily the personnel, it might just be like the system itself, like it's just been sussed out. Well, no, yeah, I agree. And I think what you said about Lafferty letting his manager down is totally true. I mean, granted, he probably got a space in the team, you would argue, because of Wyke's injury, because... From what we've seen of Parkinson, there is a you know a great preference towards playing Charlie, and you know ahead of any other striker in that team. But obviously he he got his chance and he took it well with Gillingham. He got obviously two goals very well taken, two goals White probably would not have scored. But then obviously he follow he he's then has a chance to capitalise and really sort of like cement that place in the team. And as you say there, you know he's not the kind of player that you would think would would get sort of pulled into like petty squabbles among League One footballers. You know, not to be too snobbish again, but he's a player of a very high calibre who's played at a much higher standard than this. Does he need to lower himself to, to that kind of like that, that kind of petty conflict? His career for that sort of thing, though, hasn't he? He's never had a particularly yeah. perfect record. He's always come with a with a fair warning. Mm-hmm. Still, though, I mean, you, you'd think though at his age that maybe this isn't what we need. But anyway, what do you think, Morgan? What are your thoughts? I would say probably the lack of consistency in terms of his two goals um, against Gillingham and then coming in and performing poorly against uh, Bristol Rovers is probably more indicative of the level he's at. Um, He wouldn't be in League One if he was a more consistent performer. I think when you see him play, the difference between, in my view, the difference between him and White is 
he looks like a footballer mm-hmm. in a sense of he's got a good first touch. His movement seems a lot better than Wyke's. He looks like he knows where he needs to be at certain um, phases of play. Wyke, for me, is more of a, I don't know, he can head a ball and he can head a ball well, apparently. Yeah. Um, but that's that, so that's really it. And I think what you're saying about Lafferty is bang on, but I think it is more to do with the fact, you know, if he was... If he was a better footballer and if he was a more consistent footballer, then he wouldn't be at Sunderland in League One and he wouldn't have been a free agent until, when did we yeah. sign him? Ja- was it January? January, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that, that speaks volumes in terms of why we haven't got a, a consistent performance. It's so frustrating because he could be like X-Factor in this league. He could really be like the difference maker between, a, you know, those tight games where it's sort of 1-1 in the balance. He can be, he's got the quality yeah. to make the difference, but not when you're, Getting involved in little silly tit for tats and squaring up to people and mm-hmm. shouting at the referee. It's just like there's a few players that are guilty of that, though. Obviously, I don't want to, you know, single it out Lafferty because of a bad performance, but you look throughout the squad, I think, um, because the maybe there's something a little bit wrong, like in, in terms of the dressing room or performances, maybe there's a bit of frustration there. But you look at the likes of Tom Flanagan, like he seems to scream at somebody he wants a match or like run up the referee. And it's just like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Don't get involved in that. Yeah. You just put, you're just putting yourself at risk, and it's yeah. you got to think about the team. I know, like sometimes a decision goes against you, right? Let the crowd get on the referee's back. Mm-hmm. Just you crack on with your game. Like, don't worry about that. There was a, a moment um, a couple of weeks ago against Fleetwood where he tried to play the ball to Denver Hume, and he overhit the pass in front of Hume, and Hume didn't like sprint to make up for it. And he just went off it at Hume, mm-hmm. started absolutely screaming at him. And now obviously, Denver Hume's another one who's you know performances recently definitely need to be called into question but what are you doing like he, he absolutely lost he didn't just shout at him and go like oh what are you doing run for that mm-hmm. he absolutely lost his rag Max Power to turn around tell him to calm down it was yeah. ridiculous it's probably for me it's a mix of things that the frustrations there because most of these players like we've mentioned Lafferty Flanagan alright they're not you know Premier League standard but they've played at a higher level and when they've been at this level they've been in successful teams and the other side of that is as well you've got a lot of expectation on your shoulders when you play for Sunderland so that concoction of things when things are going well is excellent because you've then got a fan uh, you know the biggest fan base in the league behind you and when things are going well and you're playing to the the standard you know you are then it's great when that falls down is performances like we've seen in the last four games where things aren't going well the players probably know they can shift it up a gear and for whatever reason they're not and on top of that you've then got the pressure of expectation on top of you so that is probably what Mm-hmm. Why we're seeing a, a frustration, but you're right. They should be yeah. better than that. The professionals. <clears throat> Flanagan is what in his late twenties, something like yeah. that. So yeah. he's been around long enough. Yeah. Lafferty's a, like you say, a Northern Ireland's second highest scorer of all time. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's definitely um, reasons behind it, but there's not an excuse for it. So no, yeah. absolutely not. I think w- I'll throw this question to you, Johnny, but I think it's an interesting talking point because what you say there is uh, something that I've noticed as well. Like the players. I mean, obviously, it's it's better to see the players care than not care. You know that 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 that's a baseline. That's like a a baseline expectation of anyone following the football club. But there is an element that when games probably aren't going, you know, completely swimmingly, which as of recently they haven't, they do seem to lose the rag a bit. I mean, we saw it loads of Bristol Rovers. You know, there they were you know Max Power, Lafferty, um, Flanagan, the like. You know, players of the like. There were toys out the pram when you know the referee wasn't given the right decisions when the officials... I mean, I mean, even Parkinson was getting in on it, so I don't know what on earth was going on there, but is there an element that, you know, especially when we play at home, that opposition play to that? Because I know Joey Barton definitely would have known that, that, you know, if you would even get an early goal and then frustrate 
frustrate Sunderland then you know not only will the the players become frustrated but so will the home crowd or so will so will whoever Sunderland's following are home or away so is is the culmination of that a weapon that teams can use against us Johnny uh yeah I think uh, the the managers will look will do some research before the games and know that Sunderland has uh, a big reputation and the fans are very um expectant of us to win every game and even though we don't uh, Joey Barton watches us every week obviously so you know he he, oh, he, he knows us thoroughly but every Every, I would think every manager would do a bit of research before uh, they play any team, and you know they know that the stadium light is a very um, it is a very hostile place for the home team. If we don't, if they score an early goal, a lot of the uh, teams have scored early on against us at the stadium light, and that always makes it more difficult because the fans expect us to go out and win three or four nil every single week, and um, even though we never do, um, yeah, it is definitely. Something that the opposition manager notices. I think it's a it's a weird combination because it's like with the f- the fans, it's a well known fact. The stadium were like like Ian Holloway. I think most re- most well known spoke about. It, I suppose even a couple of articles. His quotes were basically along the lines of, "Well, I know I can set my team up in a way to frustrate them and frustrate the crowd, and the crowd gets on the players' backs. And if the players aren't strong enough to handle that, then it makes it easier easier for us. And I think with the players, they've got to be able to accept the fact that like someone in the stands might. Like might call them, like they might shout at them, they might like yeah. give them some mm-hmm. stick for not being good enough, for not having enough quality. As long as they keep working hard and they show that, it'll eventually come off them, and that and that same fan will turn around and applaud them off the pitch. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's heat of the moment. It's a passionate sport. It's you know it's exactly what everyone does it for. So yeah. you've got to be able to take that. You've got to be able to take that hit and just keep cracking on. I, yeah. I think it is an issue though because, like you've said, Ian Holloway has said it. Darren Prattley said it before the first game of last season against Charlton or after the game. He'd said we know would come here, we know Sunderland fans will get on the, the back of their own team and it makes it it's makes it a really difficult place to play. Darren Ben said it in live on Sky recently that mm-hmm. when um you know things are going well, they're the best fans to play for, but when things aren't going so well, so um I don't even think opposition managers will even research it. I think it's just a known fact. Yeah. And nobody can blame the fans because we've went from you know, nobody's got a divine right to be anywhere in any league, but we've went mm-hmm. from being essentially a a Premier League club for 10 years and, and yo-yo between the Premier League and winning the championship for several years before that to being basically legless in League One. So I don't think anybody can blame the fans for being um, difficult to play um, in front of. But I think as well, like when we're not blowing teams away 3-4-0 three, three, in the first half an hour, it's such bad football to watch. Like yeah. the other teams turn yeah. up, and this isn't a slant on the other managers, or because you're allowed to play however you want. If you think it's your best way of getting a result, you've got to do it. But yeah. as a fan watching it, it's just soul destroying watching Fleetwood from the fifth minute, the goalkeeper moving the ball twice on the end of his six yard line, just like oh, mm. and then they'll just lump it forward, yeah. they'll stick an elbow on Charlie Wake's back, and he'll fall out like a fish. He's just ridiculous. Mm. Like as it's much so so bad to watch. As much as Joey Barton does talk a lot of rubbish, he he does make a good point that. You know, Sunderland have got the the largest amount of resources in the league, so why wouldn't you do that? If mm-hmm. I was manager of Fleetwood Town or, or manager of well whoever, and I'm coming to the stadium alight, and I know that I haven't got the the budget to be paying the players or, or to to be able to attract the type of players that Sunderland supposedly have, then I'd mm-hmm. be doing exactly the same. But oh no, that, of course. It, it, the onus is then on the players and the managers, uh, the players, players and manager of Sunderland to um, combat that. We've created a rod for our own back, really. I mean, Stuart Donald's come in and he's promised the world. He's banged on about budgets that are bigger than the championship. Every other club in League One will just be seething hearing that. The arrogance of Sunderland, like, mm. how can they dare speak about that? And that'll be their motivation 
like that. People talk about it being, oh, it's their cup final. When people say, like, oh, well, it's their cup final, well, that's just going to upset them even more and that's going to make them play better. And it's well, just, yeah. we've, we've created the rod for our own back in the sense of that, like, everyone's raising their game because everyone just wants to beat us because they hate the fact that we think we're better than this. Well, yeah, that's, that's something that I feel like there's been a, an arrogance almost. I don't know if it's always been there. You know, it's never, it doesn't feel like it's been there for a long time. And then when we've been relegated to League One, it feels like all of a sudden we have this entitlement of I we should be yeah, the it, top team. And it, that's the gallows humour, in it? It's, like, it's the sort of like, we, a lot of people genuinely can't believe how far we've fallen, how so yeah. quickly. Like, it's it, it genuinely is like shocking, like how a club can be mismanaged so poorly that it's able to drop like a stone like that. Uh, if you take the... You know, if you if you just set it aside and you and you look at the facts, we've got a club that's been in the Premier League for X amount of years. We've got a forty nine thousand seat stadium. Average attendance is in the high twenty thousands, thirty thousands. So just looking at that as an isolated thing, then we really shouldn't be in League One. Mm-hmm. Then you add in like what you say about Stuart Donald and Methven setting expectations way way above what they can actually back up. What they, what they can promise? Uh, yeah, effectively. Ha- has caused the issue. I mean, yeah. I don't think there's. Any Sunderland fan who would disagree with the sentiment that we shouldn't be in League One, we should mm. be minimum high-end championship club, but realistically, Premier League. Um, the problem is that when you have the owner coming out and saying things like that, like you say, the biggest budget, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, it, 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 it kind of, an arrogance is born out of it because it's not so much an arrogance towards the other teams, it's almost resentment towards the owner. Well, come on, you've told us all this, why aren't you delivering? Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's, it's frustration. I think the... The bottom line, like frustration from the fans, like you talk about like players on the pitch, stuff like that. I think as much as people are on the, the players' backs and performances aren't right and, you know, the players themselves shouldn't be too hard on themselves. So I think generally there's a feeling that I'm getting at least from the fans that, listen, we understand the players have the league one ability, like the, they are trying their best. You know, we've asked for years for, for a group of players that will do their everything for the club and we do have a group of players now that are doing that. If you look at the likes of Chris Maguire, mm-hmm. his transformation over the last few months from being... You know, out of shape for a footballer to suddenly what he is now, looking lean, like better, obviously, past like, recent performances aside. But that's like a really crucial thing that the fans do see and do appreciate. It comes down to the people like the manager who needs to show a little bit more tactical now so that'll inspire the fans to actually get behind them. And the manager, the owner, Stuart Donald, just needs to sell up. He he keeps, he's he's. I don't know what his plan is, what he's doing. Obviously, he's not talking to the fans at all now, so it's like... Are you just going to sit there and just continue to let the club dwell in League One? Or mm-hmm. are you yeah. going to sort it out yourself? Are you actually going to sell the club? Because you, you could have just sold the club. He could have sold it already. Well, that's it though, isn't it? I mean, I mean, again, what what you say about, about you know, no one really sort of believing, even now after sort of the dust has kind of settled from last season, how far we've fallen. You know, it, it's completely true. It's 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 fallen like a stone in, 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 in the least ceremonious way possible. If we were to finish this season below fifth, which, you know, I'm sorry to say is a possibility, you know, not to be too negative, you know, again, we'll have broken our record from last season of the club's lowest ever league finish of all time in its entire history. Like, that's that's where we're at. We're at a period of history now where Sunderland are potentially and could be the worst they ever will be, you know. You know, like, assuming, you know, hoping, of course, that, you know, we do pull ourselves out the mire and get back to at least the championship then that would very much be the case. And, you know, obviously praying we don't fall any further than where we are. But I couldn't fault uh, Charlie and Stuart for having ambition. You know, it's always good to have ambition. It's just that I feel like they banked on us getting promoted after the first season and we didn't. And because of that, they've just lost interest. And then Charlie, of course, because things are not going his way, he's he's left. Um, and saying the 100-point season, you know, I, I know that's taken out of context slightly, like they're saying we are capable of getting it. Mm-hmm. Um 
And I think that was something that he should never have said. Obviously, there's a lot of things he, Charlie should never have said, but um, he's no longer here with us at the club. So, you know, it's now down to Stuart, who um, he always seemed to be a little... Stuart always seems to be a little bit more quiet, though. It's always, it seems to be Charlie who does most of the talking anyway. Yeah. And, uh, you yeah. know... With, with Donald, he's... A sort of short analysis in my view is I think he's a good guy and I think that um, you know he did have the best of intentions and he probably still does but he's built his fortune in insurance so effectively his life is risk and this was just another gamble essentially um, he obviously didn't have the finances to back it up to get us into the championship at the first time of asking to then be able to build from that so he's effectively um bluffed his way into the position mm -hmm. and by position I don't mean the owner of the club obviously he's funded that in some way shape or form that still isn't clear um, but he's he's bluffed himself into a position of um, trust with the fans which is obviously now gone um, so yeah I think what Chris says is right he does need to sell he's got a responsibility to sell it to the right people mm -hmm. um, but on the flip side I still don't think his game of risk is over you look at it now you're dead right. I think we've got an equal chance of finishing in the lowest position we ever have. But I also think we've got the same chance of being automatically promoted, which is ridiculous considering the, the last four fixtures especially. Yeah, we're not even like out of it. No. and At all. And with... Um, if you put yourself in Donald's shoes for a second, it's much better for him now to, 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 um, to sit with the club where it is. The value of the asset effectively is going to be as low as it was when he purchased it yeah. if we somehow manage to get promoted then effectively he's going to make a lot more money so from Donald's position and taking all of the, the sort of my effective bias towards Sunderland out of it it's a lot more sensible for him to to strap in and and hope that we end up getting promoted mm -hmm. and then look at selling the club at that mm -hmm. point because the, there's no real difference in value of Sunderland AFC right now as there will be in May, June, July, August, whenever the season does mm -hmm. finish. And it, yeah, we need to think that the championship is not um, the same as it was two, 10 years ago as well. The quality in the championship is much higher. Oh, the it's longer... skyrocketed from when we last got promoted from yes. there. Well, look at the bottom three of the championship right now. I know. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely... It's we could have three. the same league as us next season. Yeah, great um, the, the worst three of the championship were the best three of this league last season. Yep. Put it that way, which is... Like the the longer we aren't in the championship, the stronger that league gets. And then at the moment, if we got promoted, I would <laughs> I would hate to think how many points we'd get because we wouldn't do very well in the championship at this point with the money that we have and the players that we've got. You couldn't see them doing well that I, much I, in the championship. I think I think the sort of the, the domino effect of going up may, may, may have swung things out in our favour last season. Say we'd beaten Charlton. Um, I think if we'd gone up, I think you know, I think money would have come from somewhere. I think certainly. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think it was probably always Donald and Methven's plan to sell up within the clubs in a, in a sort of like a, a more promising position than, yeah. than where it currently is. So had they have done that, and had we have been sort of someone you know who had a bit of coin in the pocket, uh, I dare say we would have done okay, or at least we probably would have done okay. Like I don't think we would have you know, I don't think we, I don't think we'd be like fighting for promotion again. You know, I I certainly don't think it, it would be that that quick of a turnaround. But I don't think it would be as terminal as um, uh, Barnsley and Luton are looking right now. But anyway, speaking of managers and speaking of our position and how sort of tenable it is. I want to talk about Phil Parkinson's overall form because he has 11 wins in his entire time as Sunderland manager, which, you know, really... They all came feel, in one month, it feels like, didn't it? Yeah, if, if, yeah well, it feels, it feels like they happened in about a three-week period, yeah, but absolutely. And I know that's not a month. I, I, it sounded like I thought that a month was three weeks, but I didn't think that. I just thought that... 
you know, maybe dra- dramatise that a bit more. Just just fall, Alex. I, I, I just want to clarify that I don't um, think that a month is a three-week period, just to, just to clarify. But anyway, <laughs> moving swiftly back onwards. So, obviously, you know, there was a, there was a large build-up of, of fixtures when Parkinson started. It didn't get off to the... To, to the to the best to the to the best of starts, generally speaking, and he, and he did turn it around. And what I don't want to do is sort of turn the podcast into a game of like verbal hokey cokey. With do we want to have Parky in or Parky out? But ultimately, you know, if we look at everything in isolation, and it, I suppose your perception is always tainted by the most recent result. But generally speaking, do we think he's the right man to take us forward, and can he get us promoted? Johnny, we'll go to you first of all. I think he can, given. Um he has done it before with other teams. He well with with Bolton, just with Bolton. But I mean, mm-hmm. he has proved that he can get teams promoted to the championship. Um, could he build us in the championship? I don't think so. I think he could get us up there, but I think he wouldn't be the man to push us forward when we do get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, he needs. And it's such a cliche thing to say, but he needs time. Like all managers need time, and that's been Sullen's downfall over the years: not giving managers enough time to do anything. Besides Jack Ross, who you know, he had a full season, couldn't get the job done. And Parkinson, um, he has a record that's proven that he's got teams up before, as I say. So I just think, like, he needs to be given a full season. And if he doesn't get us up um, this season, well, I don't even know if this season will end now. But, like, if he has a full season and we aren't a serious contender for promotion by the end of it, then, you know, then no, then he should go. But I think he just needs a full season. Um, regardless of your thoughts of him, it's still... It, 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 no manager can do anything in a short space of time. They need a full season to really get their squad that they want. And you, I don't think he's got yeah. it. No. What do you think, Morgan? I think it, it's it's difficult. You look at the positives. He's Culturally, he's made a change. You can see, like Chris discussed Maguire earlier on, and how he's transformed him. And not only is um, the way he plays, but like his physical shape. So I think you can definitely say that he's made positive changes in and around the training ground obviously having no information on that whatsoever but what you see on the pitch players working a little bit harder it tends to suggest that things are a little bit more positive and, and the players want to win um, Max Power suits the captain yeah, role as well the, the the flip side of that is the results it's the results business and as cliche and as you know obvious as that is would Jack Ross have been any worse would Sunderland have been in a worse position? The thing is with Jack Ross, it's like, it's sort of, if you could have the best bits of Jack Ross and the best bits of Phil Parkinson, you'd have a cracking manager. Because I mean, Absolutely. Parkinson's come in and made cultural changes and got the right sort of attitude. Jack Ross was, and this can be a sort of a controversial statement, but I think tactically he was more astute. Yeah. Towards the end, he lost it. Don't get me wrong. Like, mm-hmm. putting the ball forwards was, he, he definitely lost his way, but he at least had the ability to change it and the team had a couple of different shapes. The trouble that Jack Ross had was he just didn't actually dial it in enough so you've sort of got the problem where Parkinson's dialed in on one shape and we were good at it but now we've been figured out he hasn't got a plan B whereas Jack Ross had a plan you know A through Z mm-hmm. yeah. and the players didn't really get confident with any single one of them and I don't necessarily think <clears throat> that it was wrong to let Jack Ross go when he did go because things weren't working I think the problem is that I know the point you make, Johnny, that you have to give managers time. But what Parkinson came in two months before the January window. He's had he's had a January window. Okay, he hasn't been back with millions and millions of pounds, but who who has in League mm-hmm. One or um, any pounds? Yeah, yeah. And the caliber of player he's brought in, every single one of them from a higher division, if I think correctly, we brought in 
So um, Lafferty, I mean, I, I, I suppose it's quite hard. His last his last team was in the Norwegian Premier League, so yeah. but I, that's probably higher than League One. So, you know, I'll give you that. But he he has played yeah. at a higher level. Yeah, Semenyo, Bristol City, yeah. um, Skowen, QPR, QPR Skowen, whatever. Uh, Declan John, Swansea. Swansea, so, yeah. I think he, you know, when you look at the the caliber on paper, at least of the player he's brought in, I think it is fair you can judge him and. <laughs> Like you say, Chris, tactically, that's his downfall. And as a manager, that's that's basically, you know, that's your job. You've got to be able I to... I haven't got the, the stat, but like talking about like the management, the tactics, stuff like that, I would love to see how many minutes in total out of the potential minutes they could have played, Scowan and Semenyo yeah. and Lafferty had played mm-hmm. before they got their first starts. Because in... that's, that for me... Bristol Rovers, the changes came in. I think everybody looked at that line and went, excellent. That's mm-hmm. exactly what we've been crying out for yeah. for weeks now. But actually what's happened is he's done it, but he hasn't given them... He hasn't even. He hasn't really bled them into the team. No. He's just. He's, he's literally just chucked them in. Mm-hmm. I know we were all saying that, and I'm guilty of it myself. Like, yeah, we needed to do it. We needed to refresh it. I mean, you know, Gooch looked like he couldn't even run against Coventry mm-hmm. on, that, on that Sunday. He was knackered. Things have... Obviously, when he first came in, things didn't go to plan. Um... We we hammered Tramia. That was his his first win in his first. Oh, and Duncan Watmore made a late surge for the Ballon yeah. d'Or. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what that was his first win. Yeah, but then we went on this horrible run. We couldn't win um, for Toffee, and he's then found this formation at the Doncaster away game mm-hmm. and these players. And it's almost to me, and this is going to sound really cynical, but he's just sort of oh, I found a team. It works. I'm I'm not touching it. Um, and I think y- you bring those players in and. You're exactly right. Why? Why are we waiting until what? It's March the fifteenth. Is That's such a long time? Yeah, you didn't realize it. Like the, the so first, long. The it first is. changes have come ten weeks minimum mm-hmm. after he's brought these players in, yeah. or, or some of the players. So. Which I think, as you say, there very much validates Chris's point that Ross was probably the more tactically astute manager. Without because doubt. I think, because I think. I think Ross was very keen to make changes. You know, he 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 liked to tweak and tinker with a his bit team. Too keen. He liked to yeah. he liked to game plan. The the trouble that Ross had. He was big on micromanagement. He's great for a small club because he can game plan for every single team because they're always the underdogs. Mm -hmm. When he's the big team, he couldn't develop a system to take down because everybody else was was game planning for us. There was no like fundamental ethos. He was sort of doing, as you say there, he was doing what the other team was also doing. But he was trying to do to them what like Barton was doing to us and what Ainsworth was doing to us. But Mm -hmm. he couldn't figure it out because like well every single time you played against a team they would set up completely differently yeah, because what the, the scout the, report said because it was Sunderland the dynamics off though isn't it exactly I mean any any team that plays us will have you know like again and not not, not to be too snobby sort of assume that you know that people have this inferiority complex but you know it may be just that that obviously you know you come on City Malite it's a massive stadium the biggest there's ever been in League One and possibly could ever could ever be in League One for a very long time you know, you've got a very big home following, but you've got fans that are easily frustrated, you know, because of how much they've fallen on hard times. Players who sort of reflect that and definitely feel it. So if, if you if you set up to frustrate against Sunderland, you know, that's that's quite a... If, if you're going to plan game by game, then you can do that if you, if the particular game is Sunderland. But, you know, when we're the team that's being planned against, you know, the whole dynamic's different. We, you know, we're playing teams that, you know, don't have that sort of that sort of like mindset or that complex hanging over them, that, that little sort of like flaw in the plan, I suppose. I, I, I don't know. But it's my biggest disappointment. Like I, I always look back at Jack Ross and I, I always think that he'll end up being a better manager than we will be a club. I think he would generally go off that far. I just frust- it frustrates us because the first season I can totally forgive him mm-hmm. for for falling short of the last hurdle and for all of the tactical ineptitude he, he did display because 
he had the squad. He didn't have time to like learn his squad. He didn't have time to learn their abilities mm. and, and set them up properly. But then I think when the new season came around, he still didn't do it and he had the opportunity mm. yeah. in that summer. Yeah. Evaluate your squad. Where's your best players? What are their strengths? Set up your team to maximise everybody's strengths. Mm-hmm. And that's what Partons has done with this system. He's found a way of making Jordan Willis look really comfortable and really like strong going forwards as mm-hmm. well as defensively. Obviously, the back three suited. The trouble Parkinson's got now is he hasn't got Bailey Wright, who he needed. Absolutely yeah. crucial Bailey Wright. Has there Wright. been a player who sort of who's come in, made such a big impact, and then has gone in such a quick turnover? Have we ever had a player who sort of like made an immediate impact and then just gone that quickly? Madja? No, because Madja had at least like half a season, though, didn't he? Mad- Do you mean like come in in like January, been mint and then disappeared? Yeah, and no, like well, just come in at all, been mint and then disappeared. Have we had? A, have we ever had a player who's gone through that cycle so quickly? Michael Proctor, two own goals against Charlton. Yeah, that's <laughs> something, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah. I mean, he was good for uh, you know the season he was here, and then yeah, but Billy Wright, Billy Wright looked great in three games, and then we lost him, and then all of a sudden we've not looked as good. Honestly, Billy Wright had had the back three, the back five on yeah. a string. Mm-hmm. Ozturk can't do that. No, I don't know if Joel Lynch can do that. We haven't seen it. Ozturk gets himself tied up in the same string. Bailey Wright was was yeah. pulling around. You know, that's that's just sort of. I'm not sure if Willis can do it. Willis definitely he's vocal enough to do it. I don't yeah. know. If he, but I don't know if he's he's like the way Wright just viewed the game because mm-hmm. what Bristol City fans said about Bailey Wright is that he's an excellent defender. He's brilliant at reading the game. He's like football intelligence is excellent, mm-hmm. but he's not like strong enough or fast. He's strong enough. He's not fast enough mm-hmm. to play in a back two basically. So we went, isn't all right, that, then we'll pop him in the yeah. back three, sorted. Well, isn't isn't that why we've got Tommy Smith, though? Because obviously he was a former Ipswich captain. Hopefully. You know, they were they were they at the time were, were baffled that didn't renew his contract, you know, when it did expire. And, you know, surely he, he fits the same I mean you know, if if he's if he's a natural leader on the pitch, then you know it, it would follow that as a, as a defender he could he could marshal his back line. Parkinson for me, like there was a there was a conversation before about would you give Parkinson another like another season, regardless of whether or not we go up. Yeah. For me, if you know the suspension on the league does end and we do get action again, it all rests on what Parkinson does with his team. Coming out of this three-week break, mm-hmm. what does the team look like? If he can give us... I mean, obviously, I know time on the training pitch. I don't know what that looks like right now because of everything going on. But if he can set his team up, I would love to see like Tommy Smith on the training pitch every single day. He's called Tommy Smith, isn't he? Yeah, he's called I that. I had a moment there. Like, like, if I just yeah. said a random name. Yeah. I'd, I would love to see like him at the heart of the training, in the middle of the back three, with Willis on one side, mm-hmm. Flanagan or Lynch on the other, and just having that, that back three drilled and, and like a well-oiled machine. So when they come out, it just looks like, right, we're, t- we're solid at the back again. Let's build from there. And then, then he gets the, fl- the options and the fluidity to go, right, are we mm-hmm. going to go two up top, three in midfield? Are we going to go like two in midfield that like we've gone with the three in f- up front? How how do you go about doing that from there? The break in the league has probably been a blessing in disguise because it's going to give um, Parkinson the chance to do that. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of that coin is the fact he had Coventry, Fleetwood, Oxford. Um, obviously, Rotherham <coughs> went off the boil a little bit, but those mm-hmm. three especially were looking like they weren't going to lose a game again. Um, so this sort of interrupts their... Well, it interrupts their season, obviously, but it interrupts that form. So... It's probably, you know, it's a horrible thing that's happening, but it's probably the best thing that could have happened yeah. for Parkinson's job mm-hmm. 
because he's now going to get, like you say, the chance to experiment with these players. Because mm -hmm. in fairness, the ones he's brought in in January, we've had Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, most weeks. Mm -hmm. So getting the opportunity to actually work his players on the training pitch, try yeah. the likes of Tommy Smith. It, it's almost and, like having another pre-season, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's and the I same kind of thing. Out of all the clubs in the league, realistically, we should be the one that benefits the most from that because we've had the the most transition out of all the top mm -hmm. clubs. Coventry, probably the only club that's had a more... <sighs> I don't, want to say, I don't want to compare Coventry's situation to ours, but in terms of change, Coventry have had to move over to Birmingham, um, but they've kept the manager. They've Yeah, they lost a few players, but you look at Sunderland this season, we've had a new manager. We've brought in a lot of new players again. There's uncertainty off the pitch, so um, this break is, like you say, the absolute best chance to give the likes of Tommy Smith a run and see what his best mm -hmm. team is. And looking at our fixtures as well, um, I would say probably we're, although it's a lot of doom and gloom at the minute, I would say we're best placed to have a run at it and finish within touch and distance, at least of automatic promotion, if Parkinson's worth his salt. Mm -hmm. And that's for me exactly it. If we come out of this break and we can do all that, and we can do this dream scenario where we've got a couple of systems that we can play now. I, 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 you can't compare us to Wolves, but I'm going to. If you look at Wolves' system, they play the same system as us, or we play the same system as them, but they've got the flexibility, so they, they'll play with... with <laughs> I'm going to compare Max Power now to Ruben Neves and Yao Moutinho. <laughs> so you've got Moutinho and Neves in the middle as their two centre midfielders, and then they'll play up, like, you know, the striker up top, and then the two wingers either side. If they wanted to change it up, they can do. They'll go. They'll bring. A, <laughs> they'll bring NATO, who is Maguire in this situation, mm -hmm. into the midfield three, and then have two up top, which would be him and and Jota, or Lafferty and White. <laughs> it's all relative, <laughs> but you know what I mean. So yeah, he's. Um, I mean, I, mean, I do know what you the, mean. It, I also it, don't know what you mean, but I do know what you mean. So he's, if you get, if you can come out of this break and he's got those two systems, it's, I'm not asking for the world. I'm asking for two very similar systems, with. A solid back three, somebody in the middle who's a good leader and can organise the defence in the same way Bailey Wright did. And if that's mm -hmm. Smith, excellent. Mm -hmm. If it's Lynch, if it's it's not going to be Ozturk, but if it's no. if it's Lynch, then that's fine. Just something that works. Just somebody that can do that because yeah. we're, we're really sort of. And I think it goes back to to the original point. Just cutting off his nose to spite his face. The, the, <laughs> the, the question was Parkinson is he the right man for the job? And all right, the wolves and the wolves comparison. <laughs> I, but I do get the I do get the point. It's just they occurred play, to me as well that Lyndon Gooch is Triori in that example. <laughs> they, they play they play the same system, and like you say, wolves have got different options. So why, um, you know, wolves are in the Premier League. They've got Premier League talent. Sunderland are in uh, League One. We've got Conference North talent. But <laughs> realistically. It's unfair on just, just because yeah. um, Northern Premier League, um, <laughs> just because you know we're two leagues below that doesn't mean we shouldn't have a manager who's capable to have flexibility in his mm -hmm. formation and system. And if we had that, I think it would be a lot better as well. Team. He did do it once. We were behind in a we were behind. We were level in a game and we went on to win it. And he put Lafferty and Wyke up top. It was uh, Ipswich. It, it was nil nil. It was Ipswich. Yeah. He put Maguire just behind them, and we looked class. And yeah. he hasn't done it since. Well, we what? Looked, we, looked, <laughs> we looked different. I would I wouldn't even say we looked class. I'd just say we looked different. But that was enough. That's how that's how low the bar is. Like yeah. we just looked slightly different, and I thought we looked unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, I started comparing yeah, us yeah. to Wolves because Parkinson dared to play with two strikers. And it's it's we, like, we looked like a fundamentally different team, even and, and if that one of those strikers us. was Grig. It doesn't have to be the two target yeah. men. No. Because just having Grigg on the pitch occupies a centre-half, which frees up White and Lafferty to win their header. Because the only reason, that's not the only reason, but one of the main reasons White looks so poor is because he goes up for a header and their biggest centre-half just guns to him. Yeah. yeah. I think 
Griggs the elephant in the room as well, isn't he? Because it was obviously Stuart Donald signing and not mm-hmm. Jack Jack Ross. Didn't. I think the way it was described at the time was Jack Ross was like, "I'd like him. He would be a great. Adi- he'd be a great addition." And then Donald went, oh, "I can't get him," and Ross went, "Ah, oh, don't worry about it." Well, yeah, <laughs> like, that was the conversation, as I understand it. For me, I, I don't think um, I don't think Ross wanted him. I don't think he was Jack Ross's type of player. Mm-hmm. He, he he had a system that was working really well with Madger. And then Will Grigg and Madger are worlds apart in terms of the style of play, regardless of ability, the different the, the different footballers. So you can kind of say with the benefit of hindsight, okay, Grigg didn't work with Ross, it was never going to work. But another sort of element of Parkinson's management, why hasn't he at least given Grigg a chance? Why hasn't he found a way to fit Grigg in? Because you look at Lafferty it's weird, and... weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You, you look at Lafferty and Wyke, they're, they're different players, but mm-hmm. they're, both, they're both big lads and... They both fit this style they, of play. They play the target man role, don't they? Yeah. But this is again about Parkinson's football being very one-dimensional and predictable because his system seems to accommodate one singular target man and no other strikers. Yeah. But why why can't he have a plan B with um, with Will Grigg? Or, if, or, you know the thing, that's the thing as well. Like when We're talking about when he had Lafferty and White up top against Ipswich. They would win their header and the other one would be around them and Maguire would yeah. be around it. So the second ball was a lot easier to win as well. Whereas in this system, White wins it and Gooch and Maguire are quite wide. At all times, because yeah. they, the, we, the wide plays great at times between like O'Nine and, and Maguire on the right hand side, and obviously Hume and Gooch have their moments too. Mm-hmm. But as a result of that, we we don't get the ball up top. Like, there's no point in having the target man there because we don't play the ball yeah. to the target man and win it. We, we only ever get the ball forwards down the sides. And in that system as well, I think you need mobility in central midfield. So like, like you on know, the ball, yeah. But, but even even for those um, knockdowns from Wyke, if you um, God, I don't know the guy's name, but uh, he was unbelievable for Coventry when they beat us one a few weeks ago. Yeah, um, but a double, Fankati double, fullback. Um, name, no, 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 you could no, name most of their squad. They were excellent. That day. Not, not the yeah. fullback. They, they had a small central midfielder, but he was the type oh, of headband. They have a headband yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, he was the type of. Was player. that um, was that was that Godin or whatever he's called? No, Godin was the striker. Yeah, but he's they had scored. Yeah, yeah, they had. Um, no, it was class him. But he was just mobile. He wasn't a great footballer. No. He was just everywhere. Yeah, and when. Um, you know when Coventry were winning scrappy balls in their in mm-hmm. sort of Sunderland's defensive third, he was there to pick it up or he was there to put pressure on. Power and Dobson don't really give you that. Um, no. I think the one player in the squad who would do that would be O'Nine. Mm-hmm. He's the exact type of player that I think putting him in front of and behind a Wyke, mm-hmm. not as a not as a not as a number nine, but as a um, as a sort of more advanced central midfielder yeah. I think that would give you that link up play um, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're not wanting to play a second striker but again you know we can all talk about this and we can all be expert football managers but in reality the, the point is why isn't Parkinson considering yeah. this that's why the thing you'd he? love to see it you'd love to see it like tried not just like tried randomly in, in the yeah. last 10 minutes of a game I mean like actually mm-hmm. trained drilled into the players like you know the system I personally would love to see would be like the wing backs as normal the back three two centre midfielders Maguire and then Wyke or Lafferty and then Grigg up top yeah. why not I know Grigg's been really like poor when we've seen him and he has been and maybe he doesn't deserve the chance or whatever but if, as long as he's working hard on the training pitch and he's being professional right stick him in the team because if you've got that system right and you get you can just picture the scenario the ball gets won by the big guy comes to Maguire he plays slips it through behind the defenders and Grigg's in that's the way you'd like to imagine mm-hmm. it would go but 
he hasn't even attempted it. That's the most frustrating part about Parkinson. He's just not trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the it's the lack of flexibility. Has he got no confidence in the players? I feel like yeah. everyone. I mean, he, he doesn't micromanage like Ross did, which is a good thing ultimately. But everyone's got <coughs> one job, and yeah. and that job doesn't. They don't deviate from it. White is the target man. Power and Dobson win the ball and put it out wide. The wingers overlap. Sorry, the full back. Ov- the the wing back overlaps with the winger. One of them crosses the ball in. And then Wyke misses Wyke's, that. Wyke's meant to win it. <laughs> I think oh, oh, is, uh, no, sorry, go on, sorry. Johnny. Yeah. I, think, I think Parkinson's just a very like stubborn sort of manager in the sense of, well, I've done this before and it's worked, so it can work now. And, and I feel yeah. like that's probably his approach to it. Yeah. And it the, it's not necessarily I just, true. I know but, what you're yeah. saying. And I just he, he's said in press conferences, he's, he's made the right noises. I don't understand. Like He said, like, oh, we did think about changing it, but ultimately they didn't. I think, why didn't? Is it because mm. he's stubborn? Or is, is, does he generally not? have faith in the players to be able to execute a game plan like that we saw Mm. it with Ross as well I thought Ross was really inflexible in in the the style of play and it's probably it's probably a cultural thing with being at Sunderland I think the players were completely wrong for Ross yeah, I know I would agree it's like with that. It's an historical error, but I think yeah, but a lot, a lot of players, our players that we've signed are like of. utility players. Though there were players who have played in their careers in numerous different positions. Like Luke O'Nine is a prime example. He's he's played he's played as a, an, a like an attack and mid, a, a you know like as you said, Morgan says a, 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 a like a more advancing central mid, and also look as a the, fullback. Look at the players who were most successful under Jack Ross, and you'll there's there's a clear clear theme. It was Lyndon Gooch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hume came in towards the end. Madger was obviously mm-hmm. massive. Mm-hmm. Um, McGeady, uh, I would say. McGeady was good because he liked Jack Ross, which yeah. helped. He played to to, to McGeady. But then also 9 was excellent mm-hmm. last season. Most of those players, McGeady apart aside, they're young players who are inexperienced and are learning and are happy to take on new ideas and they're doing yeah. all this. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, Flanagan's kicking and digging his heels and not listening to the manager, but it's just... Mm-hmm. Surely it's easier to work with players who you're sort of teaching. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's, he very much like coached Madger and you could see the way they warmed up and stuff like that. He, he, they weren't just going through the motions. They were actually working on specific things just yeah. to try and get people to where yeah. they were. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we struggled because we had a group of players who were used to their systems and knew what they were good at playing as opposed to a group of new players who are the environment haven't got that yet. Yeah, the environment's probably changed a bit as well. I think the younger players would have suffered because of that. You would have had Ross who exactly like what you're saying. You would see in warm-ups for games Madger they had like a I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before. They had like a rugby tackle shield. Yeah. So they were getting basically given Madger impact, getting his mm-hmm. first touch under pressure. There was all sorts of um, and you, you know for certain with the likes of Hume Gooch, the younger players that would have been happening. Mm-hmm. I think now Parkinson's come in the more senior pros who've been around the block and they know how a manager wants to play a certain style, they've played under different managers, they'll benefit from it more. The younger players who aren't really getting that coaching, it's almost like square pegs in round holes. Mm-hmm. And like what you've said there, the demographic of the squad for Ross didn't fit. And because we've still got kind of a mashup of what Ross would want and what Parkinson would want, it doesn't work. Parkinson's got a very rigid style of play, but he doesn't have the players... Like Parkinson, work. yeah, Parkinson doesn't need to to be like Ross. He doesn't have to be like a coach and you know mollycoddle the little the younger players and stuff like mm. that. But he needs somebody on his staff that does. You know, you well, need somebody to like put their arm around Denver Hume. It's funny you say that. You know, like you talk about um, managers who have good ideas, but they never have the players to do it. That seems to be a very common theme with Sunderland. Like it always seems to be the manager. Whoever ring in is like, oh, he's got a good idea. Unfortunately, he doesn't have the players to do it. And that's always been the case. It's very uh, odd that we've never, ever had the players that the manager wants to do his style. 
I Allardyce know, did for a second there. Allardyce yeah, I, for mm, briefly, yeah. But you know, I know I made that point that we don't have the players to suit the manager's style, but I'm going to contradict myself here. It, it, that's also a cop-out because Allardyce <clears> was clearly a good manager. Like, <sighs> I know he's got a reputation, but he, he, he Allardyce is a good football manager. He Very knows good. how to win games because he... he he sees his players that he's got in his squad and he makes a system that mm-hmm. that works. Allardyce's squad at Bolton, where he was probably his most successful, was worlds and worlds away from what he had at Sunderland to what he had at West Ham. You look at... Well, that's um, the frustrating thing about modern football, isn't it? It's like, because Guardiola has a system, he's come in and signed the players for it. Everybody else thinks that that's the way the football yeah. manager should be. Yeah, it's, it's just inflexibility and it, it's kind of a, again, feel like, mm. like with football players are League One standard football players, the manager, he, he spent most of his career in in the lower echelons of the of the football league. So again, you can forgive some of his um, limitations. But yeah, I do. I think it's a cop out. You've got a squad of players. If you're a good manager, make that squad of players work for you. Yeah, don't try and strength. don't try and you know push your system just because it's worked for you before onto the squad you've got. And if it's not wor- it's and I not think, work, it's I think the trouble Parkinson has now is he did he did find a system that's, that suited the players, but th- now you've got to figure out, okay, what are you going to do now everybody else is game planning for that system? Mm-hmm. We yeah. talked about it with Jack Ross. He couldn't figure out a way to stop people from game planning against no. us. Mm-hmm. Parkinson had it there for a second. You just need to change it. You, you need to change it again so you can find a way around. Because you know now what they're going to do. They're going to come in and they're going to stick two men on Maguire, two men on Gooch. Because yep. what we do is play the ball out wide and then cross it into the middle. Yeah. Well, if if they know that's what we're going to do, they'll stop that from happening. Of course. They'll stop us from getting in the yeah. areas where mm. we can deliver a dangerous cross. Yeah. So you go, okay then, we'll not try and go around the outside. Let's put a little bit more on the mm. midfield and try and get our way through, this, through the middle. And the only games that you've won have been, I would say, you know, and again, this isn't to discredit Parkinson's run because he did, you know, he did turn it round, but... But, you know, I think he would probably concede as well that that system works. And, you know, while it's one-dimensional and predictable, that doesn't matter if it's predictable because the players we have sometimes are just too good for some teams. Like, look at Wickham. I mean, I, I, again, I don't, know how, I don't know how on earth Wickham are where they are because when we play them here, you know, they were, they were, they were terrible. Like, they were it's just a really... Poor, like, 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 I think the general standard of their players, player to player, is atrocious. So, you know, even though, you know, again, we, we had a very sort of like... A very... You know, a, a very clear-cut, very straightforward. You know, one avenue being taken approach to playing the game. Even though Wickham probably knew that was coming, it didn't matter because we were just too good to contain them anyway. I mean, you, you looked at them like they were trying to. You know, they were trying to contain us. I mean, there was that goal where we passed it down the flank and then you know swung it across. Then Hume picks it up and scores. And you can tell that you know they are they are over. You know, like we're that we're trying was, to we're trying to overload. Game, so that they have counteracted that by you know like t- marking very. Marking very heavily and very tightly in that area, but it, you know it didn't matter because we were too good anyway. And and, and that's that's like a brute fact of League One when we play here. Because like, a lot of teams just since our good. downturn in form, Maguire's forms dropped off and Gucci's form has dropped off. And mm-hmm. you look at when they do get the ball, that they're either not involved in the game at all because you, we can't get the ball into them because yeah. they're just being blocked out, or when they do get it, they've got one touch and then they lose the ball because mm-hmm. they've got two men on them straight away. It's not like I think it's the, not difficult to see that. Like <laughs> I think sometimes managers notice which of the players that really get this team going. I think if you stop Maguire, you stop Sunderland essentially, or you stop Gooch. Then you know it's right when we had Sessegnon back in the day. Like every like players uh, teams would come here mm-hmm. and keep an eye on him because he's the one who makes the team tick basically. Yeah. And if you stop them, then you you know you stop the whole mm-hmm. team. They sit down. They sit down and open Sunderland scout report, and it just says they cross the ball into the box and score from that. Yep. The other thing on stop top of the that. cross going in the box you stop the goal when mm-hmm. you're playing the exact same starting 
11 every week as well, not only are teams able to prepare for a system, you can prepare for the individuals. Mm -hmm. So you know that Maguire's first, for example, you know Maguire's first touch, he's going to cut inside or mm -hmm. he's going to go outside. You can actually prepare down to that level because mm -hmm. you know that Chris Maguire is going to be starting and you know for 60 minutes as a left back or a right back, whichever whichever side of the pitch he's on, you know what his next move is going to be. Mm -hmm. So it, 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 an analysis does go down to that level in this day and age. You know, you can get full videos of um, full games, no problem at all. So it, that's another sort of element of uh, Parkinson's management that has to be questioned with the rotation as well. You kind of, you're not, leaving anything to um, chance for the opposition mm -hmm. because they know exactly not only the system you're going to play the individual and then what the individual can do they'll know what boots they're wearing what side of the bed they woke up on that morning they'll know everything <laughs> like, yeah exactly blood type um, might as well just tell name them name a first childhood do, pet like. yeah they'll know mother's maiden name and everything yeah. Honestly, you know what, boys? I'm really impressed that given how little content there is, you know, in 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 the mid in the midst of this pandemic, we've we've managed 15 minutes of of football dialogue. I, I didn't think it would be possible, but here we are. I do have one final question though, and it's not necessarily Sunderland related, but you know, it's probably a good thing. We're probably sick of talking about those guys at this point. But thoughts on Karen Brady wanting to cancel the season? Hilarious. Of yeah. course, she wants to very, cancel very the convenient. season. She wants yeah. to cancel the season because they look stupid for appointing David Moyes, and it's like, oh well, if it, you know, if they cancel the season, then I mean, just forget that we're actually on points with relegated teams. Um, yeah. I read something yesterday. They've got out of however many fixtures they've got the left, they've got to pay, play the top six mm -hmm. plus the three teams below them. So I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I mean, to be fair, if I was. If I was her, I would say the same thing. And again, yeah, it's also the same as Piers Morgan. He was saying that as well. He said, oh, the team should this uh, season should be uh, null and void because, uh, you know, his team's ninth in the Premier League and, uh, again, they're, they're not doing anything special. And But if they were top of the league, they're like, no, can't stop the season now and just crown us champions. That's oh, of how course. So, so, just completely yeah. relative to your own situation. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, absolutely. If, from a Sunderland perspective, just can it. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if you just started, scrapped it and started yeah, again. But to I be honest, I'd be happy just ending the season with us in seventh. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a simple solution in that you put Euro 2020 out to 2021 you extend the season, you take a couple of months Oh, that's going to throw everything off that, isn't it? It's going to be Euro 2021, then, then all of the Euros will be in odd numbers, won't they? Well, they'll, they'll, they'll just, they'll just they'll wait for years. But no. I, in, well, I know. will. <laughs> no, because that, wouldn't that disrupt every other like competition or like the no, nation? No, because it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't... No, but you just get rid of that and don't care. Ah, sure enough, yeah, that's crap, isn't it? Just may as well draw names out of a hat for that. I think yeah. we're so deep into the season where, you know, I could understand stopping the season now and just crowning... Liverpool champions because it, it, you know you're prolonging the inevitable in the sense of at the moment they either we continue the season later on and they win two games or we just stop the season now and they yeah. don't. It's, it's, it's not, funny though, isn't it? Because like, the Liverpool fans, I saw them. This one Liverpool fan broke it down basically, like the times they've come close. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, we are the greatest, um, the greatest player in our club's history slips and we lose yeah. it that year mm -hmm. then we score uh, 98 points whatever it was which is enough to win the Premier League mm -hmm. 99 times out of yeah. 101 yeah. like years that there's been top yeah. flight football and then this year it's been cancelled for coronavirus and it was, it's just like that's just typical yeah. and do you know what it is like I don't, I don't feel sorry for them because they support Liverpool and I support Sunderland but they are very much like if, the if they do just get given yeah. this title, it's going to have the biggest asterisks against its name forever. I right? know. You know what? I saw, like, a, honestly, someone made, like, a really funny post, right? I mean, again, I'm not one of these, like, people who, like, who, like, just sort of jump on the pylon, I hit Liverpool because everybody else does kind of a thing that I think the Man United fans like to perpetuate. But 
I don't. I'm, I'm quite neutral towards Liverpool. I, I, I would, I would feel sorry for them if they didn't win it because that's rough. You know, it's a rough way to to miss out on a on a nailed on title that you've been waiting so long for. But it is absolutely yeah. it's the most nailed on title. I think, it is. Ever, like, I know. It so far, someone ahead. said we should give them a trophy that's not the Premier League title, but it's a one for completing most of the so season. Like, hey, you've absolutely blasted the Imagine league, that. Well I've, the um, most patronising accolade ever have, like the... Well, they're, 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 they're my favourite Premier League yeah. team, so I've, you know, I've always wanted to see them win it. And obviously Henderson as well, you know, for him to win it too would be great. But um, it's just mm-hmm. such a typical thing for them. 30 years of it for a trophy. Mm-hmm. How good? They're not going to get it. How good would <laughs> next season be, though? They will turn up ready to go if they don't get mm. this title next season oh. they'll start getting zero and then they'll mess it up and then they'll bottle it they'll bottle it big time they'll, lo- they'll, like, they'll do something ridiculous like losing the first game and then the wheels will just be Man off. City will breathe a sigh of relief because they're chewed up this season didn't they so they'll yeah. be uh, yeah. glad there's been a lot of discussion on Liverpool but in reality it should be an afterthought because you have to finish the season one way or another you absolutely have of to of course you do and the, the Liverpool Liverpool are going to win the league no matter what so it's it's Leeds West Brom that are the ones yep. because in reality people's jobs are more than likely on the line. Do you um, just do the top two and then the bottom two and not do well, playoffs? There's been talk of the top top, three. there's been talk of two promoted from the championship, mm-hmm. no relegation from the championship, and a five team Premier League next season. And then there's been two variations of it where you have the season after next, either five teams relegated or four mm-hmm. teams, and then the season after four teams relegated, all from the Premier League. Um which would be pretty difficult to schedule in. Do you got to think about um, the, the the league that we're in actually? Because there's only 23 teams because of what happened with Bury. Yeah. So I'm guessing that's another thing. I don't know what's going to happen like next season. There's like two or three teams come up from national league, and then we honestly back to level it up again. With it's a logistical nightmare, isn't it? Because like obviously yeah. there's so many things that have just gone wrong recently. Sorry, I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of it's the EFL's own the EFL's own fault. You know, not to. Not to sort of bring up the whole thing about Bury again, but you know, a, yeah, a lot. Not a feeling lot. sorry for the AFL in this scenario. No, no, absolutely not. You know, um, at you no, know, but <laughs> at the end of the day, like, I don't envy the job they've got now, trying to sort of like organise this around you know both uh, an international pandemic and the fact that one of the clubs liquidating has resulted in a vacant spot in one of the divisions. Because now you've you've got to, you've got to, you might end up with a really lopsided four divisions of football and. You know, you, you can't. There's, there's no like quick fix to that. I mean, I, I do propose a solution. It's that if we were to take Sunderland out of League One and put it in the Championship, that would solve it. <laughs> yeah, just that's just my put pitch. The top one division. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. nobody wants to watch West Brom v Burnley on a Monday night. If that's the extra oh, fixture, imagine. Oh, but God. you know, teams like that should not be allowed in the Premier League. Burnley. If God. Uh, well, I don't know. The thing, thing is, though, no, I, I'll, I'll give them, I'll, I'll allow them, I'll allow them their existence in the Premier League if they've got a funny manager like Sean Dyche. Like, that, that makes it for me. Like, if you've got, like, a, great, if you've got a funny manager, that's okay. Like, you could be, like, like, Forrest Green could be in the Premier League if they've got someone who's entertaining just, just for, like, press conferences. Fully vegan care. football club, Forrest Green, you know? And they're yeah. going to build a stadium out of, like, like recyclable material and wood. Soft. <laughs> yeah, but like, I, I, I no idea, pot. no idea of this. This is probably the other. But you know, probably the other city were going to win the Champions League. I come very close because obviously mm. they can't do it the next couple of years, and I felt yeah. like they to were be fair though, if it out. gets if the season gets resumed, it's perfect for City because De Bruyne is out injured at the moment and Laporte's mm-hmm. out injured, and they'll both be healthy by the time the. Uh, I think it's a whole quarantine conspiracy. I, 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 I think this is just a bioweapon made by Man City. I think they can afford it. You know. <laughs> 
Oh, they probably can. <laughs> it's a domino effect. Somewhere, somewhere, while Liverpool were winning, a man in, in China was brewing bat soup, preparing for this exact eventuality. I mean, this also could have been the year that Newcastle could have got an FA Cup final. Or they could have got the Wembley. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I really want them to beat Man City in the quarterfinal. Yeah, yeah, get to Wembley and then have it behind closed doors so they can't go. <laughs> oh, imagine. Imagine them winning at Wembley, but they, could, they can't say they were there. Listen, what, we what? shouldn't joke about that, though, because it could just as easily happen to us this season. Like, the first time we win at Wembley. Hey, that's fine. I, 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 I don't, don't want to go back there again. If we win, <laughs> if, if someone tells me, oh, by the way, yeah, we went, we won two lines, like, oh, Kenny, that's good. No, Finally. if you found out we'd, we'd won at Wembley and nobody was allowed to see it, that would just be. Mate, the I, worst I, I don't crap. care. I'm not. I, I don't. I'm not going back there ever. Like, if, I'm not going back there. If somebody play it behind closed doors, I don't if care. Somebody give me uh, a genie's lantern, and they said that you can have. Is it lantern or lamp? Is it a lantern or a lamp? Lantern, yeah. It's a lamp. A lamp, lamp. It's lamp. Sorry, Is yeah. It? It's not yeah. a lamp. It's a lamp. No, because a lantern's like a. Lantern's no. like the glass box with a candle in it. Genie's yeah. lamp. Yeah, well, uh, like a gas lantern. Well, a, this is the conversation. Well, this, he's, got, he's, got, he's got the, the <laughs> minor genie. It's, it's, like <laughs> it's a multicultural podcast. We're going to have genies from any sort of background. <laughs> going to wish for a so If there was three clubs that you know could could end up where one gets to an FA Cup semi final at Wembley, one gets in essentially unreachable distance of winning the Premier League and another gets promoted from the Championship and Genie came along and said you can destroy all of their seasons the three clubs without doubt would be Newcastle United Liverpool and Leeds United so it's funny isn't it if the season is voided then uh, that is it's just entertaining you know what I mean it's like if, if we're suffering right okay because at the end of the day right in the, the, the this this coronavirus break coincides with the release of Sunderland Till I Die Season 2. So if you have to watch Which comes us out suffer... comes April Fool's Day, by the way. Yeah. If you have to watch us suffer, then I want you all to suffer as well. You know what I mean? I am yeah. happy to cut my nose off despite the face of English football. Happy. At the moment... Get that nose just... severed off. Get a, get a write-off. Interesting note, the, Take the first fixture back, if the thing does come up, um, would be our home fixture, our next home game. Against? Mm. Against Peterborough. Is it um... Peterborough? Is that our next home game? Because we'll play Blackpool and Southend, and then it should be Peterborough, if I'm not mistaken. Because then we play Burton, I think, because we're playing to play yeah, Burton away. Peterborough, yeah. We need also need, oh, also no. need Shrewsbury, man. Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury, <laughs> Arthur, oh, right. Donald Love. Uh, Donald Love return 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 of Don Love. Return of Don Love. Do you know, I don't really want to talk too much about that club, Sunderland, but um, mm-hmm. honestly, if I was given a choice of finishing in the top two or seventh, um, that's what I'd go for. I wouldn't go for playoffs, honestly. If I was either getting playoff positions or seventh players, I'd go for seventh because we will bottle the playoffs anyway, so it wouldn't matter if we got there. That's the, it is a worry, like because our form against the teams that are in the playoffs is pretty shocking. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't. I, I was looking at the table the other day, and I wouldn't fancy two legs against um, any of them. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, the only one, I, the only one that I would probably feel okay is probably Oxford. I don't know. I'd like to play Wickham but, over two legs. Yeah, but Wickham, oh, Wickham, Wickham will be gone. By Charlie would get yeah. Oxford. Well they'll for that they'll game, fall away. Oh. Who is it in the playoffs right now? Because it's not us. But who are, who are the current four in the playoffs? Oxford, Oxford, Oxford Pompey, Fleetwood, Fleetwood, Peterborough. Peterborough. Yeah, yeah I, I, you know what? I don't even really want any of those to be honest. Like even Oxford's a push. I don't because re- when we did beat them at their place, like that that was a, that was a tight game. I mean, uh, if that's the playoff yeah. picture, it's Portsmouth season. Like it's fairly bleak. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I don't. I don't want Fleetwood over two because you know if they've they've got every trick in the book, which as they clearly showed do work. 
and Portsmouth, 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 Portsmouth have just, just become like my least favourite clubs in the whole world. Uh, see, them. I still don't buy into this. Um, I hate Pompey. We have a Pompey. We, 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 we have a Pompey no. rivalry thing. I don't. We don't have a rivalry with Pompey. Okay, no, it's like, like a forced thing from. It's really forced. It is. Twitter fools. I think. I think they wanted more it's than we did as well. It's yeah. because they mentioned. It's because they mentioned Netflix when they beat us. Yeah. I think I'm just sick to death of the sight of them. Just like every like, it's like oh, it's them again. Oh, you know, and I just maybe it's because playoff Pompey is really like irritating chant. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't sound good, does it? Like it's not the chant; it's the f- it's the bell. Oh, yeah. that bell they have at home games. Just get rid of the bell. What a much more likable club they'll be if they didn't have a constant. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. One thing. Um, sorry to go back to football in Sunderland, but uh, I went yeah, to the South Shields game you. yesterday. How was it? Um, it was good, good entertaining game. Mm-hmm. Five three in the end. Nice. Um, there were three 0 up at half time. It was first versus second, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And I think Shields are now twelve points clear with nine games to go against. Yeah, so it wasn't United like that tight of a game. But, <laughs> no. um, Sunderland related. Barley Mumba played, and uh, the boy. He, yeah, he looks. Uh, he played out position. He started on the left, on the left wing. Um, he seemed to... Where's number 11, doesn't he, for them? Uh, I can't remember. I'm sure he was number 11 on That's the team. That's his number. He started on the left. He, he, he struggled a little bit. Um, they moved him over to the right, and he just looked uh, a cut above the rest, to be honest. He looks like he's got yeah, a he's good talented boy, he, so... I mean, he's, he's, he, he's very slight, so I think mm-hmm. he could do with a few... Um, no disrespect to South few... Shields, but is he perhaps playing a little bit below his level here? Uh, like, well, he he's, how, old, how old is he, 18 or 19? He's 17. He's 17. Um... And yeah. to be fair, South Shields and FC United, um, who they were playing yesterday, they've got players who mm-hmm. could probably, well, comfortably be playing in the oh, football South league, Shields definitely do, make yeah. more money by having a full-time job and, and earning a few hundred quid or whatever it is on a weekend. So it's hard to judge, but you know, he, he looked really good. He, he scored the fifth goal, which sealed it. Um, uh, it was a volley, left foot. Um, two goals in two and games? Two and three. Two and three. Yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, not not quite good enough. And I'd, uh, I'd, I'd take it all back. He's terrible. Yeah. But uh, no, he looks like he's got a bright yeah. future ahead of him, and he's and now played enough, not at right back. Yeah, not at right back, not yeah. at centre mid, but uh, on the left and right hand side. And mm-hmm. uh, fair play to the yeah. lad. What's um, uh, quite bizarre as well about that game is it? It was the second highest attendance in English football yesterday. Uh, South Shields versus FC United of Manchester. Who had higher attendance? I think it was like another like I think it was another like National League game. Right. But it was like, a game on TV. Yeah. Three thousand two hundred and seventy-five at Shields yesterday. Yes, and that would be honestly like how mental is that? I mean, to, I mean, in fairness, in fairness, right? That, like, obviously, I, 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 like, I would understand if a lot of people, you know, disagree with the notion of keeping the clubs playing because they don't want to have mass gatherings, given the nature of it, you know, which is totally understandable. But regardless, you'd, the clubs like South Shields must be looking and thinking, right? You know, we, we're going to make a killing here. Because no nowhere else is open, you know. Like, like all the fans of the northeast clubs who want their football fixed on a weekend are going to come watch us. Killing! What a poor choice of words. God, that was a bad choice of words. Times. That that was bad. Sure, I'm have to cut that. To be honest, that wasn't very good. That terrible choice of words. <laughs> Sorry, um, boys. No, you're definitely right. They'll benefit on that. I think South Shields are obviously bankrolled, um, so yeah. they'll be okay daddy, regardless. But it's kind of like the the other non-league clubs mm-hmm. that will struggle, who depend on paying punters and. The you know from the people who work behind well, the Shields, bar. Well, Shields need a bigger stadium when they go up. Bigger ground. I mean, it's not really in the best of shapes. They've they've mm, made. Well, there's no standards. Well, there is a, a stand. Yeah, mm-hmm. they've, they've sort of to, to not overplay it. They've polished the turd a bit. They've made it. They've made it mm. functional. Is it a requirement but, for a club in the in the foot in the, in, the, in the the conference to have a stand, or can you just could, no could you in idea. theory just have a pitch? 
and a standing area around. I imagine you probably have to have some sort of enclosure. Well, South Shields basically yeah. is like you, you, you literally step on th- through the door on the pavement. Mm-hmm. There's a road that goes to a little like marquee bit and mm-hmm. then there's a, like a pub building mm-hmm. yeah. and then you literally just, the pitch is just fenced off and you just stand around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To call it a stand. Yeah, I think yeah. they have got plans to to build something somewhere mm-hmm. else in South Shields or a little bit further beyond, but how far ahead that is, I don't know. As long as yeah. you sort out the parking situation. There's like like 800 people at a game like, and you kind of get parked. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's horrendous, isn't it? We'll send a strongly worded email on your behalf, Chris. I think we should do. I we think it's, uh, it's the only thing we can do. Right, well, I think so that's... So what are you guys all going to do now you can't go anywhere? Do anything. What, 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 well, I'm probably gonna, I'm probably gonna attend the Roker Report podcast in, in association with Vauxbury and talk about football, or at least attempt to. Slowly descend into insanity. With each passing week, now we're gonna have less and less content, it's, which means we're probably gonna get stranger and stranger. It's so difficult having nothing to gamble on. <laughs> Crikey, <laughs> was, that was a sad statement, Morgan. It was, it was coming like full steam ahead through Cheltenham last week. Yeah, and it was. I, I would imagine it's like. There must be some like stop taking heroin and go completely cold turkey. There must be some like dink leagues though, like that are still open. Like I'm sure like the Paraguayan second division still kicking uh, about. Yeah, Bolivian table tennis. Hey, it's something like that. You can't watch it. There was a badminton championship on. I'll have a quick and there's a snooker one. championship oh on. you've seen that, that video of like behind closed you know, doors. You, you've got that uh, internet meme of the pub going crazy when England score that free kick and all the people are going crazy ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. someone's replaced that with um, a Bulls, Bulls. game <laughs> so um, Angie can you remember them and Angie Machalak yeah so um, two things they're playing right now the 1-0 the up and also um, I found out that they've Recently been relegated to the third division of Russian football, mm. which is one off um, complete like amateur, like Sunday League. Right. They had the license revoked because they're in that much debt. Um, and obviously they, they bought the way right to the top with oil money, didn't they? And mm. then it's all come, come crashing down. down. So Manchester City fans, beware. Mm. Yes. You I might, can't wait till they get their Capital might, One Cup revoked. And then, you know, uh, uh, we're giving it... We're going to we're going to get all the boys back on for an open top bus like poor yet the lot. <laughs> I don't know what the... well, maybe not all of them if you know what I mean. I don't yeah, know. I'd get sure most, I'd get most of them back. Probably won't be. I, yeah. I could name one that I wouldn't have back, but I'd probably have the rest yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah Sky better absolutely. Who, uh, Brady? What's Fabio ever done to you, now? <laughs> yeah, you can bet on Golden Arrows reserves. Why don't we play? Um, uh, why don't we play a little game before we finish? Just hey, Chris, Chris, you know what? Why don't we do that Christmas quiz uh, six months <laughs> early? Uh, let's well, do. Um, yeah, well, we should, we'll, I bet we end up pre-recording the Christmas quiz because I've nothing else to do. But now let's let's play. <laughs> she'll, she'll play Dink Leagues, which is a, a game that myself and, and Mr. Tom Albrighton play in the Roker Report podcast chat. Well, I'll name I'll name a division, and you have to say is it is it zero percent Dink, which means a really good league. Or all the way up to hundred percent thing, which means absolutely terrible, like a really bad division. You can have any metric you want to judge this on. Start with you, Chris, and we'll go around the table. Um, hmm. Turkish Premier League, um, Turkish Super League, I believe it's called. Seventy percent dink. Seventy percent dink. So quite bad, basically. Three aye. out of ten. Aye, because it's got three good clubs. Yeah, and then the rest are dink. Oh, got good fans, though, haven't they? Good followers. So who's well, the three? Like, so Fenerbahce, like Galatasaray, and who? Uh, Besiktas. Of course, yeah, 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 right. Morgan, um, I'm going to give you um, the Australian Hyundai A League. <laughs> so, oh, on the basis dink, that, like. of sunshine, zero percent. Mm-hmm. On the basis of everything the else, sun confirmed at zero percent dink. Yeah. <laughs> on the basis of the accent, the general people 
and the standard of football, one thousand percent. That's a yeah. It's to be fair, like honestly, right? Anyone who's a manager of the Hyundai A League on Footy Manager knows that the standard of football is really bad. I I was a big fan of managing Wellington Phoenix, and they had a striker who was from Fiji. I mean, that's something, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like their striker, their, their like best striker was like, a, was like a Fijian international. I think they've named uh, an airport after Roy O'Donovan after his. Uh... Oh, there you go, Roy O'Donovan. Roy, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just having a, oh. a joke. Roy O'Donovan. Because he made such a good impact. We did. The Roy O'Donovan International Airport. What I was trying to do He's got a stand somewhere. One of the clubs. One of the clubs has given him a stand. Roy O'Donovan's not very good. But then I know he about went in Australia and then he was quite good. I, I, thought, I thought it was quite a, I thought, I'm I, I thought still it was a funny joke, drunk, Morgan. So I thought Thank you, you said Thank you. that Roy O'Donovan had an airport and my brain went, <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the Roy O'Donovan Airport. Can we go? That's, that's, that's going to be our... Anybody our could have an airport as long as It'd be good as well because the abbreviation mm. on like flights would be Rod. Rod. Ooh, Rod. The Rod God. Garner Rod. <laughs> Written with anticipation, Alex. Johnny, you can have... Uh, I'm going to give you the... Chinese Super League. No, not the Chinese Super League, because that that that's that's an objectively dink league. We don't go into that one. <laughs> what 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 can I give Johnny Goldsmith for a league? Uh, Serie B. Serie B. Oh, all right. Who was even in that league? Benevetto, whatever um, it's called. Pescara, Delfino, Pescara in that league. Oh, I used to manage them footy manager a lot as well. Uh, ooh. I base most of my perceptions on on footy manager. Would it be sixty percent sixty percent dink? Sixty percent dink. That's yeah. reasonable to be fair. How about the J League for you, Alex? Oh, Ooh, the J League, right? <laughs> Who plays in the J League? <laughs> Sorry, Sean, you might have cut some things here. I really apologise. Because is there might... a team called Honda? <laughs> there's a player called Honda. Gamba Osaka. <laughs> Gamba Osaka. Oh, oh, my head hurts. San. J League. Um, so who have we got? It's um, been postponed. J League best players. J League best players. Who have we got? Let's see. Um, Shunsuke Nakamura, perhaps. You might still be playing. No, you know, I, I could have sworn that. Um, oh, Joe. Uh, Joe, Joe, Joe plays in there. Joe. Joe. Man City's yeah. Joe plays in the J League. Iniesta. So that's something, isn't it? Andres Iniesta. Does he? Aye. It's been a Good tough, course. tough start for Kashima Antlers. <laughs> Has it now? Yeah. Jay Bothroy. There you go. Jay Bothroy. Jay Bothroy. Do you remember when he played for England? I did. Yeah, I did. Jay Bothroyd. So this is a division which I I, I googled um, uh, J League best players, and in the same sort of search page, um, I got Joe from Man City, and we've got Jay Bothroyd. So that's something. Isn't and you it? didn't get Andres Iniesta. No. Jay Bothroyd's thirty-seven. He still plays. So I was getting on. To be fair, he plays in the J League. Skinned. I know. And he scored twenty-eight times in sixty-one games. <laughs> hey, he's, he's doing really well actually out there. Yeah. He's knocking them in. Anyway, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to give the GLA 50% think to be fair, because I, I don't think it's that bad. Uh, that might be a good place to leave it, because I think we're out of content now. Um, so yeah, join yeah. us next week for... Um, for will, will you? For um, Possibly. <laughs> if, if you do, it'll be for really bad impressions of Athletic or Mints, uh, more more rounds of um, Dink League. And it might be via Skype from each of us separate houses while we're all in isolation. Yeah, could be, could be. Anyway, thank you, Chris, for joining. Oh, yeah, I almost forgot, because I'm going to do... Anyway, we had a competition, not going to forget that. Earlier this week, our mate Matthew Wood offered one of our followers a free Roker Report view from the Roker Endprint. As always, we've had lots of entries. We've used our random generator wrap, and our winner is someone by the Twitter handle at mjacko1989. So congratulations. Please DM the Roker Report Twitter account with your contact and address details. And that is all she wrote. So thank you very much for joining us on the Roker Report podcast in association with Voxbury today. I've been your host, Alex. Um... 
He's called Morgan, he's called Chris. No, I'm trying to read what that is. <laughs> what is it says, please note all passata is restricted to a maximum of four items per customer. What's passata? It's like tomato Tomato sauce. paste, basically. Yeah. Christy. It's just, just important to get it out there. Oh, but that, what are you going to do with your pasta now? If, every, if you've bought kilos and kilos of pasta mm-hmm. and you've got no passata? Why are people doing it? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make I'm any really sense. I'm frustrated because... It's the, toilet roll's the big one, isn't it? Like, why, why is... Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, what, what, what are you what, expecting? What, how are you expecting to com- You are expecting to combat a, a, a virus with paper. It makes no sense. Yeah, it's not yeah. gonna, it doesn't create... It doesn't cause no, diarrhoea, so I don't know sense. why we need it. It makes no... Why, 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 <laughs> why are you buying... T- I don't get it. If it why was based you, in the bowels, like, I would totally understand. I don't understand. get it. It's like you may as well buy that Smarties. Because, no, it's because yeah. you, the fear is that you'll be trapped in your house for well, that length of time. But, but, not, but obviously... Not 500 rules of yeah, toilet rolls. Yeah, I know. You know, I also had this conversation with my friend Mark last night in the pub, right? But also... Is it, is it, don't judge, is it the most important resource you need in that much of an amount? It, you know, do other things not come first and before toilet roll? I mean, I know it's important. People. I get it. We need it. Oh, but it so fucking stupid. <laughs> right. Oh, they are. Yeah. So good. <laughs> respect. Right. So let's say us four are going shopping and I buy all the hand sanitizer and all the soap, mm-hmm. right? And then you haven't got any hand sanitizer and you haven't got any soap, then you can't wash your hands. Well, that doesn't make me safe. My hands might be clean, but then you can't stay clean. Therefore, you're going to contract the virus, which just means I'm just going to have a lot of soap. That's a good point, actually. And I'm going to still and get the, the virus. virus. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculous. I right. do feel sorry right. for anyone who's working Stop in supermarkets at this point. Like anyone who works in supermarkets at this point, I feel so sorry for you and the people who are panicking buying all these toilet rolls. Stop it! Man, yeah. Stop it! Yes. Didn't cut out there, actually. That's pretty good. But yes, yeah. uh, that's perfect. Uh, you know, yeah. that just needs a sound bite all, all by itself, to be honest, Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. Just Eat has a, a notification now when you load it up, because obviously I frequent Just Eat. Um, As do I, my friend. When you load it up, it tells you that you can now request your food to be left on your doorstep, like. <laughs> just in case. Well, just in case your delivery driver's septic. Like. It's such a sad situation that, like, there's people who genuinely need things because they like, might be poorly, mm-hmm. you know, like with like cancer where you're more yeah. susceptible to illness. Mm-hmm. And then morons, total morons, are going into Tesco and, and just and, and buying a load of soap. Buying everything up. They, to be fair, they probably don't even buy. And where are they getting the information from? Because every media outlet, everything mm-hmm. on television, the yeah. news, newspapers... Are saying that you don't need to do this. No. So like, who's doing it? Who started off? It's and just it's, it's blind panic, it's but it's blind that, thoughtless panic. Yeah, it's gone transatlantic now because it's the same in the US. Everyone's buying toilet roll in the US. It's like, why is there so much? And even the main toilet roll manufacturer yeah. in the UK mm-hmm. released a statement on Friday saying that they've got enough toilet roll until the end of time, which might be next week. But they've got enough yeah. toilet roll. To, 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 stop it! But the thing is, though, you're so <laughs> right. Though you're so right. Statement to release. We <laughs> like, have enough toilet roll to wipe your ass from now. On a serious note, though, right? There's a real big lack of social empathy with a lot of this stuff because ultimately, like yeah. what Morgan says, not only is it illogical for one person to buy up all of the sand sanitizer, and the other people not. I said that. I, I said that wrong, but I just kept going with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> But it's true. It's like the sand sanitizer. It's sand sanitizer. <laughs> oh, it's just love that. So but th- there sad. are people with weakened immune systems, or just with not an awful lot of money, or less so than those people who are buying up everything and now can't now can't access basic resources because you know in in your in your fit of of blind you know you know. I saw a thing is irrational well, panic. It's, it's, you, people you, you've gone over there doing it, so I'll do yeah. it. I saw a tweet the other day that uh, somewhat well this morning that somebody was uh, out shopping had. Um, 
just a, you know, a pack of toilet rolls in their trolley. And then some old man comes up and just takes it from the trolley and just buys it himself. It's like, my word, is that this, what it is now? Stealing your own, stealing people's stuff. It's not even vulnerable. You look at like, you know, like people who work at Nissan who might start at like five, six o'clock in the morning. By mm-hmm. the time they finish work to get the supermarket, there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're even putting, you know, like people who are, are fairly well and healthy at risk. It's stop it. Just a mess in it. It's a mess. So I've been your host, Alex. I've been joined by Chris Cam. <laughs> Thanks for coming in, Chris. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Johnny Goldsmith, for coming in. You're welcome. Yeah. Morgan, we're going to give you a few minutes to calm down, and then we're going to talk again, okay? Okay. Hopefully we'll be in a bit more of a at- amicable mood. <laughs> Thank you. But Things no, would have been better for me, but then uh, I was supposed to be going to WrestleMania in two weeks, but that's all been stopped now, thanks to the flights, so that's great. That's you know? fake anyway, isn't it? Oh, yeah, well, I still enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, they're talking about doing it in an empty arena. It's like, well, what's the point? Yeah. It's not real, Stupid. but you know what is real? Buying all the toilet rolls. Stop it! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that is a tangible thing that's happening in the real world, and I think we need to calm it Morgan, down. Morgan uh, Lowry. Stop it! That's yeah. the new phrase for the... Yeah. yeah. Sorry, anyway, Sean. So thank you very much for listening to <laughs> the Rogue Rapport podcast in association with Vox Brewery. Thank you. Um, stay safe. Uh, wash your hands and good night. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.